Right, so this morning is part of our sign-up Sundays for our church small groups. And how many people remember some of our cultural words that describe us as who we are as a people of house of God, family of believers, and friends of the world? How many people remember those words? Well, I've just reminded you, so it's free, that one. <laughs> small groups very much fit within our family of believers. And what we're going to do today, we're going to take some time to hear some testimonies from people. We're going to have a couple of interviews as well that are really going to just expose and highlight what small groups do, what they're about, how they serve us, how they bless us, why they're important, and also to glorify God as to what he's doing amongst our small groups. Does that sound good? Okay, so it's going to be slightly different in the sense that we're going to have various people come and contribute to that. So, kicking straight off, I've invited um, Josiah, I'm going to invite Josiah Holloway to come up and just tell us a little bit about Warehouse Group. So as he's coming up, I'm just going to grab a quick mic for him as well. Let's give him a round of applause and welcome him. So Josiah, just before you give your testimony, could you just tell us what small group you're part of and a little bit about it and why you love it? Thank you. Yeah, sure. So, I'm Josiah. Um, I've been at Kingdom Faith here. All my life, pretty much, I was dedicated on the stage. Um, Yeah, incredible. Um, So I've been going to Warehouse for just over a year now. And it's a small group for the ages of 18 to 30. Um, We meet up, um, we socialize, we pray, and we talk about what God's doing in each other's lives. Um, It's pretty cool. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. I joined Warehouse... um, after I came back from university and I went into Bible college, um, when I made that shift, I kind of realized the importance of having Christian friends, having, having people around you that, that can offer a support network, that people that you can rely on. And um, Warehouse is great. I mean, we've got, a, we've got a little WhatsApp group, so we're regularly talking that. And it's fantastic knowing that if I ever need something, whether it's prayer or, or a practical need, that there be people there who can support me and who will help me with stuff. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, I'll be honest, though, it hasn't always been easy. Um, Sometimes it has been difficult to feel included in what's been going on. Um, You know, we can all have set friendships and groups, and sometimes it's difficult, and I've been guilty of this myself, of inviting new people in, and, um, yeah, it's hard to step out of our comfort zone. I think the main thing that God's really shown me through Warehouse is the importance of the relationships you have with people in church. Yeah. It's, it's, you can't just come on a Sunday. Like We need to come on. Um, we have a responsibility to ourselves and to others to build friendships and to build relationships with people that go beyond just a couple of hours on a Sunday, maybe a, a cup of coffee after the service. I might still get it wrong, but I want to get to a point where, you know, if someone's not been coming to Warehouse for a few weeks... Or they haven't come to come on a Sunday, that I can feel comfortable texting them and saying, "Hey, mate, what's going on? You know, are you all right? Can I help? Is there anything I can do for you?" The danger is, is if we fail to build these relationships and, and develop these friendships, people will drift away. It's sad, but I have seen a lot of young people that no longer come to church just because they felt isolated and unconnected. Yeah. Um, but I would like to thank Richard and Jay. I don't know if they're here today. Um, for running Warehouse and for the support and the leadership that they've given me. Fantastic. Stay there, Josiah, for a minute. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. It's not easy to be up here and, and be real. And, and I appreciate your honesty as well. It, it's fantastic. Like, how, Obviously, you're like a, a homegrown son of the house, aren't you? So dedicated here and everything else. What, you know, can you just explain a little bit more in terms of what it, it brings you and like that sense of community that Small Group really brings? Can you sort of just expand on that just a little bit for us as well? Uh, yeah, it does. It definitely does 
bring a sense of community in terms of, of your part of something bigger. Um, like I said, it, it's it's great knowing that there are people there. Yeah, I'm just picking up on the fact that you have a WhatsApp group and you're encouraging each other. You, you know, you've got either jobs or some people might be studying or in different circumstances. But the fact is that you can continue to build relationship and we can use modern media, modern social media to serve that. So it's great that you're supporting, building and connecting relationships that way as well. Fantastic. Let's give him a huge round of applause. Thanks, Josiah. Bless you, mate. Thank you. Next up, I've invited um, Ruth McGowan to come and um, I'm actually going to interview her uh, now. So uh, Ruth and Sam lead a fantastic small group called Encourage. Now, I am slightly biased because it's Karen and my small group and we love being part of it. But Ruth, let's give Ruth a huge welcome as she comes to the stage. Squeaky voice. I'll keep my questions in here. So, uh, scared, Are you scared? <laughs> no. Oh, you shouldn't be scared. You've done this a thousand times more often than I am anyway. Tell me a little bit about Encourage and how to, you came to be involved with it. Um, well, me and my husband Sam, I think it was about eight years ago now, started leading it. But in those days, it was 18 to 30s. So, um, yeah, it's when we were young. Well, I say young, younger than we are now. Um, but it's actually sort of grown with us. So we've had kids now, so now it's more of a family group. And the group have grown with us. We actually even had a couple who laid eyes on each other in our group and have now got married. So we've actually had a small group wedding even. So If there's ever a reason to join a <laughs> small group, go. there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, the small group has grown with us, basically. There are loads of kids there now, so it's become much more of an inclusive group for families. Um, yeah, we find on a Sunday you're so busy making sure our three kids don't run on the stage and attack the instruments, that we don't actually have much time to form relationships on a Sunday and talk to people. Or if we did, they'd probably have trashed the whole stage. So, um, so yeah, so we really felt it's important for people to be able to come along to a group and to bring their whole family for the kids to feel part of it as well. Um, so, yeah, that's what it's become. But it's not just about people who have kids. It's also being family for those who might be in Horsham miss their family, not have a family. So we're an extension of family for them. I think you've answered my second question. Oh, which no, is sorry. Like, so, so sorry. What, what are the benefits of being part oh. of a small group? Well, yeah, no, I mean, it is about forming relationship. Absolutely, and as I say, yeah. especially, you know, if you're busy on Sunday watching kids or you, you, know, you can't even be at church, it's important to still connect with people from the church. And especially we find with new families that come along, it's a great way for them to get to meet other people. Um, yeah, so... And to get built into the life of the, the into, church yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's fantastic because even if you can't make it, you're always texting us the dates when we're next Hustling you. Up, no. not, <laughs> encouraging us as the name of the group says. Yes. Yeah. Could you tell us maybe some of the stories of what God's done in the in the group? Well, it's it's just been. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a overly kind of heavy group. We do sometimes meet on a Wednesday evening and and pack the Bible, and those have been some great times. But it's much more a, a kind of a social group. So we often meet on a Sunday afternoon so that everybody can come along, and we've just seen relationships grow. People that might have felt a bit isolated um, come along and really plug into it, um, and just you know feel part of it really. So we've just had. You know, over the years, so many answered prayers, so many relationships forming. And it's great to see, you know, people making connections within the group and then they become friends and meet outside of the group too. So, you know, it's a catalyst for forming friendships, really. Fantastic. And obviously you're a small group leader with Sam. So what has being a small group leader done for you, maybe in terms of your personal development, your own spiritual growth? So Yeah, I mean, it makes us, it really challenges us because you feel like you have to, you've got responsibility to be an example to the people in your group. You know, there's no point in us having a family group if we're 
not being very good parents. Not that we're always good parents, we're not perfect, but we're trying to be an example of family life to other people and just, you know, to be an example of just being open, you know, opening up our house and, you know, opening up every part of our lives to other people. So we, um, God, sorry, I've got in dry mouth now. I don't know if it's nerves or the wedding last night, but anyway, <laughs> that's another story. A combination um, <laughs> of all the above, I suspect. Um, um, yeah, God blessed us with a house, which is actually, some people joke and call it the vicarage because it's literally, couldn't be nearer to church if you tried. The McGowan um, manse. <laughs> um, but he blessed us with that house, and I really believe, it's, I get emotional because it, I always get emotional, sorry. But he, <laughs> he, he didn't give us that house just for us. He told us clearly that that house was to open it up to other people. And as, and as members of your small group, it's okay to be real in church, isn't it? That's the whole point of small groups. That's one of the reasons I invite you. You guys do a fantastic job. I know it, but Karen and I know it. We love it, the support with our children as well. And you genuinely do open up your lives, your home, everything. And everybody who knows Ruth personally knows what a fantastic friend she is. Don't be nice, that makes me cry more. Stop. <laughs> Did you bring a tissue? No. It's true, though. I, I have no problem in telling you the truth, that you are, you are a genuine friend. You're always there. You, care. you do so much behind the scenes as a leader of the small group to really develop and strengthen genuine relationships, which is one of the real keys in the heart of small groups. Can I ask you just one last question? Yeah, of course. What would you say to anybody considering leading a small group in terms of why would you encourage them to potentially lead a small group? Well, I think if God's sort of prompting you, then you just have to do it because just obey God. You know, he, he knows best. Um, but it's not, all, it's not all about what you can do for other people. He's, he's asking you to do it because he, want, he wants you to grow and to change and to yeah, maybe be a bit... I mean, for us, we've had to be a bit less selfish and a bit less to focus on just on us and actually mm, think of other people. I mean, to be honest, some, is, I'm allowed to say this, but some, some, you know, some days it's a bit like, oh, small group, we've got to tidy the house. And that for us, if you've ever seen our playroom, that is, you know, a three-hour job. Um, so sometimes it is a bit, not always, most of the time we love it, but sometimes you're like, oh got to get ready for small group but then we have never had a small group when when the people arrive our friends arrive that we haven't absolutely loved it yeah so even though it feels like a bit of a sacrifice to tidy or whatever whatever it is you know sometimes you might not feel like it it has always been worth it's it it's worth the cost yeah, but three not, hours yeah. to t any parent would understand three <laughs> hours to tidy five minutes to destroy <laughs> yeah, or like exactly. 30 seconds to destroy especially exactly. if you have boys in the house yeah, exactly <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Let's, let's give Ruth a massive round of applause. Thank you so much for being honest to share. Really appreciate it. I know it's not easy. So Ruth and Sam are small group leaders. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to invite um, Annie Gibbons and Hazel Coles to the stage. And Annie is unique in the church. And I'm, I love you, Annie. I think you're fantastic. You are a pillar in this church. We appreciate you, we love you, we honour you, you are just a superstar, you are a great friend to Karen and I, and I know I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I just, you are just a blessing to Kingdom Faith, and so many people know you, you do so much behind the scenes, let's just give Annie a huge round of applause, and Gary for that matter as well, we love, and you have the most fabulous new kitchen, so just let us know whenever you're ready for us to come round again. Hazel, come and join the stage, I'm going to give you a mic each, just to explain... Um, Annie is unique in that she is both a small group leader and a small group mentor. But I'm going to leave it to her to explain the difference and how her involvement is like that. But Hazel recently joined Annie's small group and they're going to tell the story now. And it's a fantastic testimony. And I'll sort of hand over to you to sort of set the scene in the context. 
Um, so I'm a small group uh, leader. I run a, a small group called Church Prayer. Um, God made me a prayer. Didn't try, just made me like that. So uh, once a week, um, people, we meet in Roffey, and uh, we have, you, you grow close to people because you pray with them. Um, and it's a very all-inclusive group because some people have come and said, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. So I've kind of said, just come. Just come. And you learn. And a lot of people can just sit there and watch and listen, but they pick prayer up. So it's really the heart of if you know God's called you to um, pray or to do any, any of the small groups. If God has called you to, to join a group, then step up and do it. Um, I love Hazel. I love this story because she came up to me a few months ago and said, Annie, Annie, I've been avoiding you. <laughs> um, but she said, I can't avoid you any longer. Um, because she said, God has been on my case about joining the prayer small group. So I made her feel um, comfortable and said, please just come, Hazel. It's no, because people get a bit like, I can't do it. I won't be able to keep up. I don't know how they're going to pray. Da, 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 da. But um, I hope you found it comfortable when you came. But she, uh, Hazel, um, so why, um, why did God speak to you about coming to speak to me well um it was a long story but i knew i had fallen back in my prayer life very much fallen back in my prayer life for about 12 years and of course he shoves you one on the back doesn't he and says come on this is not for you right yeah yeah so i mean the great thing is that hazel heard from god the great thing is she then obeyed and did something about it, although I expect it was slightly out of her comfort zone to first come. So, <laughs> so how did you find it when you did come? Well, everyone was so um, active within it, um, but I didn't feel on on tender hooks about it. I, I just listened and watched and took it all into my beady head. And um, the following week when I came I felt much more relaxed because I realized they weren't idiots and I could belong to this group that weren't idiots just praying all the time you know uh, that's what I thought <laughs> and uh, has your your personal prayer life changed a lot oh amazingly so I've stepped up again I, I stepped back 12 years ago but God has got me to step up again and I, my confidence has come back my um, vitality for him has come back and it's dynamic. dynamic praise God what a great testimony thank you Hazel thank thanks Hazel. a lot yeah um, so really that is about hearing God and doing what he says actually could I just give a very quick plug because something's gone Go wrong it. with the communication and there should have been um, a slate up there about uh, secret place Saturday Tell us all about it. Which is next Saturday, February the 10th. Um, I felt the Lord start asking me to do this about a year ago. So on every so often on a Saturday, about once a month, um, we come in here 
And it's, it's really just about worshipping God. I have worship music on. We don't have a worship band. And we worship the Lord for about an hour. And then we listen to what God has been saying. And then we pray it. So just to let you know that anybody is welcome. It's next Saturday. It's from 10 o'clock till about 12.30 in here. Fantastic. Now, Annie, as I mentioned earlier on, Annie is also a small group mentor. So can you just take a little bit of time just to explain what that is, how that works, why you enjoy doing it, what God does through it as well, just to give us a bit of of context for that Um, as well, please. I think it's important for the church to know that every small group leader has a mentor. So they are supported. So I mentor about three or four small group leaders. And all we do is get together periodically, have a coffee, chat about how the group's going. When When you're standing back from someone's group, you're able to say, you know, I believe God is saying this for the group. I believe, you know, you're going in that direction. And all they're doing is going, yes, you're right, yes, you're right. Yes, that's the way it should be. Because two heads are so much better than one sometimes. And so you can help to bring vision to them, a bit of encouragement if they have a situation going on in the small group. It's it's good they can just phone me up and we can chat about it. And quickly they they got the answer. Also, it's uh, the, the small group leader is the first call of pastoral care. So if someone comes to their small group leader with a pastoral issue and they can't solve it, then they come to me, and often I can't solve it, but at least we we share the problem, we pray about it, and we know where to take it from there, whether it needs to go to somebody else for it. So just to let you know, it's good to know how the whole system works and that it's all covered. Fantastic. Okay. And and personally for you, what has being a small group mentor given you, how it's developed you and stretched you as well? I'm just sort of thinking a little bit along the sort of the leadership pathway terms and... Well, it's just, uh, it's a privilege to meet with people who are in that leadership role. Uh, I'm just amazed at their wonderful hearts, how God gives them an absolute passion for what they're doing and for the people in their group. I really respect them and honour them for that. And I don't feel I bring that much but I do understand that when you're in that position it's quite good to chat to somebody else about things so it's about learning to work together isn't it yes it's fantastic thank you Annie okay. so much for sharing That's why we're teamed up like this yeah <laughs> team small groups Teamwork. come on, let's give her a huge round of applause So most of you will know that I'm part of the Horsham Congregational Leadership Team and my principal role there is to look after the small groups. So the reason I've asked certain people to share and I I mentioned what I did about Annie is that um, I work alongside her and David Fraser and Connie and Alistair Scott when they finally moved to Horsham in Jesus' name. Are they there? How is your house move going, dare I ask? Is it going through? End of the month. Hallelujah. Good things come to those who wait. You have been patient. And also Pastor Jane. So between us, you may or may not be aware of this, but on a regular basis, as a minimum every month, we meet together and we pray. I mean, I think what Annie described really is that the, the, the key to the success of the Christian life is to pray, to meet with God, build a relationship with him, listen to what he says, and to do it. Anybody else found that that works as well for them? So it's not unique to us as well. And I, I love working with them. They've got such a fantastic heart. We, the whole purpose behind it is that we want to see every single person find their place in the body, 
Because let's face it, we're the, we're the body of Christ. We're family believers. We want feet where feet need to be and hands where they need to be so that we all grow and function in a healthy way and we live fruitful and effective lives for God. Amen? So that really is the whole purpose behind small groups. And that's what I, along with the mentors and the small group leaders, strive to see accomplished in the life of us as a family of believers. Small groups really are the relational heart or the relational hub of the church, okay? I don't know how many we are here or the total, but I know 300, 350 adults. It's difficult to have a deep and meaningful relationship with all those people. But you can in a smaller group context, especially when you really have genuine friendships, where you can really pull the mask down from your life and be real with one another. I mean, I think you saw something of that with Ruth, just the heart and the passion and the emotion that goes in to serve and love people. And she's fantastic. Sam and Ruth are fantastic at it. And that is what small groups are for. That's our heart to see you grow, connect, relate, share life and flourish in all that God has got for you. It's also a fantastic vehicle to help discover what we've got on the inside of us. We all know that we've got giftings and talents and anointings that the Lord has given us, right? And small groups are a brilliant vehicle to see those express and develop in our lives, okay? The gifting of hospitality, the gift of prayer, the gift of mercy, the gift of love. All those things need to find a context for them to be expressed. And small groups really are for that. Everybody likes real life, don't we? We love because God first loved us. So when we can pull the mask down from our lives, how many people have done freedom? If you haven't done it, I just encourage you to sign up. I know the, the, the latest season has just started, but there's going to be another one in September. It, it, it's a bit of a Ron thing. It does what it says on the tin, living in freedom every day. And it's such a fantastic, and it works because it's done in the context of a small group. And you get a bit of a motley crew that's gathered, generally around the fact that we can all meet on a Tuesday at 7.30 rather than a Monday. So there's no rhyme or reason. It's just around availability. And what God has done, I've done three small groups of freedom, is that you begin to build a genuine relationship, a genuine friendship, focused around the Word of God, and you begin to open up your life and you see what God can do amongst a group of people. And even though the small group finished with the encounter in December, we're still in contact, we're still in communication, we're still supporting one another, we're still texting one another, because that's what church is there to do. Amen? Um, Another thing I'd like to mention also about small groups is they're a brilliant vehicle to see our friends and colleagues saved. Um, there's, a, there's a small group. I mean, the whole idea behind small groups is that they are geared around a passion or an interest. So every single one of us ought to be able to find somewhere where we belong and where we fit. And if you don't, I'd love to come and talk to you or for you to come and talk to me about, some, about you potentially starting a small group around something that you do love and that you are passionate around. Uh, and the example that I often think of or use is how many people know Colin Squires? I love Colin Squires, great friend. How many people know that as soon as you spend, let's just say, all oh, more than 30 seconds in a conversation with him, he always reverts it back to climbing. Anybody been climbing with him? He absolutely loves climbing. Oh, it's physically challenging. I love the social aspects. I love this. I love that and the other. You can't help but just capture his passion for rock climbing, okay? And what he's done is he's taken a passion and he's turned it into a small group. And he goes to K2 on a Tuesday night and on another night in the week, which I forget right now. And he's meeting unsafe people every single week and building a relationship with them. So really, small groups really are anything where we can connect together, where we can relate together, where we can share life together, and ultimately we can grow together. So we've grown our walk with one another and with the Lord, and we've grown our witness to our communities. That's why we've got House of God, Family Believers, and Friends to the World. Small groups touch every single one of those areas in the life and the culture of the church. Now, why do I mention those things? Is that 
We don't want anybody to be isolated. I think Josiah mentioned it in, in, his, in his testimony. We don't want anybody isolated for all the positive reasons that we know that we're a body and that we all want to connect and relate together so that we're healthy and that we grow and that we live fruitful and effective lives. But listen, the Bible is very clear in how it describes our enemy. And he describes him as a prowling lion looking to see who he can devour. Anybody know that verse? I don't know if you've ever watched any sort of BBC documentary with Sir David Attenborough sort of giving us a bit of a description and you're seeing the lions hunt in packs, okay? And what they look to do is they look to isolate or separate a vulnerable one, okay? Sometimes it's a young one, sometimes it's an old one, sometimes it's just one, an animal, a prey that's just caught grazing and they get separated from the herd and then they pick the one that's been separated or isolated. And we don't want that to happen to anybody in our body, Amen. Because we care for one another and we love for one another. So that really is the heart of the small groups, that we will connect, we would relate, and we will grow in relationship. And I hope that gives you just a bit of understanding and greater context of why small groups are in so important to the life of the church. Brilliant. Thanks, uh, Phil. Thanks, everybody who's just been sharing for the last few minutes. Um, it's great, isn't it, to hear what God's doing uh, in people's lives one of the things that the enemy loves to do is to try and divide and conquer. And there's so much division in the world. Uh, so many factions and things that come against people. And for us as Christians, uh, one of the safest places that God has given us is to be within his body and to be growing together relation in relationship. Uh, you know, when you've got a really good friendship with somebody, you, you look after their back, don't you? And you always want to speak well of them. And you can go through thick and thin together. But you also, you pray for them. You want the best for them. And one of the things that I believe God wants to do uh, on an ongoing way in our lives as Christians is that... We see one another with the eyes of the spirit and not just in the natural. That we see each other. How does God see those around us? And he wants us to see one another in that way. And if that comes first and foremost, then how we are with one another when there are challenges uh, or potential issues is very different than if we start in the natural and then try and get somewhere spiritual, if, if you understand what I'm, I'm saying. When uh, in John chapter 13, verses uh, 14 and 15, Jesus says there, a new command I, I give you. Now, many of you will know these two verses really well. He says, a new command I give you. He then says, love one another. And the next part of the verse says, in the same way that I have loved you, he then says, you must love one another. And then he basically goes on to say that if we do that and we love one another in that way, then the world will know that we are his disciples. So potentially those two verses are maybe one of the most evangelistic couple of verses in the Bible, but yet they sound quite inward looking towards the church, but yet he says, as you love one another in the same way as I love you, the world's going to know something. The world's going to see something that is uh, amongst us. When we love one another in the same way that Jesus loved us, then we look at one another with the eyes of the Spirit. 
with his eyes and with his heart. The Bible says, doesn't it? Love covers a multitude of sins. And uh, what does that mean? Does it mean that sin doesn't matter? No, what it means is we, we don't relate and deal with one another from a natural basis. But we actually, if, if the spirit of love, God's love in us, because it's his love that enables us to actually love one another, if we love one another with that agape love, God's the, the spirit of love, then we, we, we don't look at one another and say, well, this person's this, this person's that, but I'm supposed to love them anyway. Um, and, but if there is an issue, you don't wipe it under the carpet either and say, well, well I love you anyway, regardless. Actually, loving somebody is, is actually having a conversation when something is difficult and say, hey, can we work this through? Can we sort this out? Because, you know, I, I think there's a bit of an issue here. And to love one another is actually to face those things. Now, none of us, I don't think, naturally would move towards that kind of thing. But actually what the enemy wants to do, the enemy loves to sow seed. Not the word of God's seed, but his own seed. He loves to sow stuff to cause faction, division, all that sort of thing. I don't know about you guys, but over the last couple of months, few months, as we as a church have been kind of pushing, if I'll put it that way, pushing more into the things of God and pushing more into the vision and what God is saying, particularly this year being a year of harvest and breakthrough and breakout and all the kind of stuff God's been saying. You know, as we push into that, how many of you know that the enemy doesn't like that? Especially when we're serious about that and we don't just talk about it, but we're putting things in place. We're inviting people to stuff. We're reaching out to people and, and all of that. The enemy doesn't like that. And so he then pushes back and he'll push back in any way, shape or form to try and put you off, put me off, put us off. He might try and try and kind of cause illnesses and, and sicknesses and things like that. He'll try and cause division between relationships. And he does that by causing misunderstanding or, uh, and that kind of stuff. And, and all the ways in which the enemy seeks to kind of steal, kill and destroy, he'll try and push back in some way. And when he pushes back, sometimes the, the, the natural response to that is, well, if, if, if going advancing with God ends up being like this and there's resistance like that, I don't know if I want to go forward. Why? Because the enemy loves to cause fear. And, and fear cripples, doesn't it? Fear stops us from advancing and going forward. Well, what is the opposite to fear in the Bible? Love, right? We often think it's faith, but actually love is the opposite to fear because the, the word says God's perfect love casts out all fear. And uh, so, you know, when you know you're loved, that actually helps to release faith because what is faith? Faith is confidence. So when we know that God loves us, that releases a confidence. In Hebrews 10, it talks about boldly come before the throne. We can boldly approach his throne. Well, if we know that God loves us, then we know that we're, we're going to boldly come because we know it's not a performance-based relationship. We know it's one of love. It's one of acceptance. It's one of what he has done for us that enables us to then come to him. And so therefore we can boldly approach him knowing that he's not going to reject us in that way because we know his love has overcome all the kind of fears and the things. And in that context, then it's great that then faith then starts to get released because in that relationship of love, 
we hear him, he, we respond and we believe and we go forward. It's the same in our relationships with one another. When we know we're loved by one another, that releases such a confidence in people to be who each one of us is called to be. And we're all going to make mistakes on the way. We're all going to blow it this way and that way. None of us are perfect. How many of you, how many of you got the perfect marriage? Anybody got a perfect marriage in here? Winter's got her hand up. You need to go through freedom, Winter. Okay. Um, you have. Well, you need to go through it again. Anyway, uh, none of us have got perfect. We all make mistakes. We all blow it here, there, and it, you know, whatever. But we don't treat one another from that basis. What we do is we, we love overcomes. And how does that love grow and develop in relationship with each other, with God and with each other? And, and so we could pray this morning, uh, Father, would you just baptize us afresh with your love so that we love one another and God will do something. But then what's the reality of proving, as in not I don't, the proof of it's there, but God proving and working and releasing that love. He puts us in a body called the body of Christ. And he puts us together in a context where that love then is, has to be expressed and worked out. And, and how many of you know in relationships, God often brings people into your circle of life that could be quite challenging? Or have you got all the people around you that, 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 that you're, you're totally, you know, nobody challenges you, nobody, we, you know, we've got different personality and characters and different people challenge us in different ways. And one of the ways God develops or grows or releases his love and works his love in our lives is by putting us in a hodgepodge body of people like we are from all kinds of different backgrounds, ages, cultures, experiences, color, skin, languages, all of that. And he puts us in a context and he says, look at each other with the eyes of the spirit. So it's not based on outward or personality or this, that, or the other. It's, it's saying, Holy Spirit, what a great opportunity to put me in the context of the body. I can't love and I can't be in the way you want me to, but I thank you you've put the Holy Spirit in me that enables me to. So would you shape me? Would you knock off any shape that is in me that is not like Jesus? Do you understand what I'm saying there? You know, because God, God, iron sharpens iron. He'll work in us and amongst us. So God does something this way, but then he works it that way as well. So this is not so much a plug to get into a small group, you know, all that kind of thing. This is really about how, we, how God is continuing to build our relationships with one another. And it's, gonna, it's really important because as we go forward, things are going to get tougher out there, more challenging. But it's what people also are going to get saved into. So if we're, if we're talking about harvest this year, and actually there's, I don't know how many people are coming to Alpha this week. Um, I don't know what the, the latest number is. I think it's over 30, 35 people, something like that, unsaved people that have signed up so far. And it's still, if you've got other friends and that, it starts tomorrow night. So if, if there's still time to just rock up and bring people uh, and everything. But that, that's true, isn't it? What people get saved into is what they become. You, you probably pick up more around here, being part of the church, of how we are than just what he said. You, you pick more the atmosphere and the feel of something up, you know, and that affects you just as much as what is said. Because if what is said doesn't line up with what you experience, 
then you're like, wow, there's a credibility gap here. We say one thing, but what I'm experiencing is something else. And so the reality of where we are as a body is not what is said from the front or what we might even say in a prayer meeting sometimes or whatever, that the reality of where we are is what does somebody experience when they come amongst us? Everything from the people experience when they come in. Wow, these people are passionate about Jesus. Man, everybody's like into it. You know, they're like, you know, they're like, wow. You know, do they, you know, or, or when they come amongst that experience, like, man, everybody's really friendly at that place. And, and wow, it was a really, it was, I, I really enjoyed being, I want to go back there, you know. Uh, what do they experience when they come? So they experience will shout just as loudly in their lives as whatever is said from the, from the front here. And uh, so we're all on a journey together. We're not perfect and, uh, in, in, the, in, in the way we make mistakes and everything. But because we are gracious towards one another, we, we allow each other to make mistakes. But what we want to do when we do blow it is like, now what can I learn from that so I don't do that again? So that I can go forward, you know, because we all want to learn from the stuff. We, you know. So let's stand together, shall we? And uh, I'm just going to read Acts chapter 2 again. Uh, not again, but Acts chapter 2. A couple of verses uh, in there. And <clears throat> you, some of you might say, well, hang on a minute. This year's about breakthrough, harvest, and all that kind of stuff. What's this got to do with that? Massive amount. Um, <clears throat> the church, not just our church, but the church, the body of Christ, I think God wants it to be the safest place for people to be. Do you understand that? The safest place for people to be, where they can be who God has called them to be so they can flourish. So let's have a look at Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves. So three really important words there. They devoted themselves. To what? To the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. They, they wanted to know Jesus. They want to know God. To the fellowship, to the sharing of life, which is really what today, this morning's been about. To the breaking of bread. Now, what does that really mean? It means a cross-centered life. It wasn't just to, they were, they were um, devoted to just breaking bread and, and, and doing a function of something. What it really means is they were devoted to living a Christ-centered life. And, and they, they had communion or they broke bread daily in their homes, in their families, in their households or when they met together. And, and it says they broke bread together. Why? Because as a body, they understood the power of the cross, the importance of what Jesus did, the power of it, and that wanting to live a Christ-centered, cross-centered life uh, together. And then the fourth thing was uh, to be... a uh, devoted to prayer and they obviously understood the importance and the power of prayer but it says they devoted them, themselves so it's that's a thing of the spirit it's not just a decision right now I'm going to make myself devoted and become this and become that it was it was what the Holy Spirit was doing because this was the a consequence of the day of Pentecost but then what happened when they responded to, to God and lived in that way it says everyone was filled with awe wow Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. You know, um, you know when you love someone and you give them something, in you, there's no sense of loss, is there? Or you now have less than you did before. You know, when you love somebody, you want to give them something, it you actually, there's more going on in you. I can put it this way. You, you don't feel like, oh, I've got to give because, you know, and, and I'm sure. Actually, you want to give to them. Why? Because you love them and you want more for them than you do for yourself. Now, that's what's going on here. So they love to give and to serve and to meet each other's needs. Why? Because of the dynamic of love. So that might sound quite challenging in there. All the believers together, selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone that was in need. Wow. Uh, but because of the dynamic of love, there was no sense of loss in that giving. It was a joy to do that. And, and whatever that might have looked like. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? In the context of what the Holy Spirit was doing with those believers then, it was like the, the, the power or the effect or the hold of natural things had been lost in a good way. And actually the revelation, the understanding they had and what the Holy Spirit was doing was the power of love, giving, sharing, opening up lives. Actually the thing that they had real value and understood was what had the most value. And so I know a lot of that goes on in the body. And we had a story the other day about how guys got together and blessed you know, a family uh, because of a situation they were in. So that kind of stuff is going on. So we're not saying this isn't and we need it, but this is the kind of dynamic of what God is doing. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, because God loves to add people into that kind of body. And, and that's what God, this is what God is doing with us. I'm not saying this is what's got to happen. This is what is happening already in our lives. And so as we continue to live in this way and sow our lives in that, that way, we're going to see God do more and more and more and more and more. Amen. So let's just, we're all standing up now. We're just standing before the Lord as a company, as a body of people. So I just want you to thank the Lord that he has given you the spirit of love. Do you have it already? Anybody thankful this morning? You can uh, just thank him for the spirit of love that is that you already have. And now maybe invite the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have given me the spirit of love. But I want you to grow that in and through my life. Get into a small group, connect if you're not already in one, and or just how we are as a body. Father, would you prove, would you grow, would you develop, prove in that sense, not prove it's real. I mean, that's part of it. But would you prove it? Would you work it? You know, you know, would you work this in me in a deeper way, your love, your life? So that as a body, we are so glued together, so built and knit together. So that 
as we advance and go forward, there is nothing the enemy can do to try and divide and conquer. That people don't get isolated and picked out, picked off by the enemy. Father, would you open the eyes of my heart? I'm praying this for myself as well. Father, open the eyes of my heart to see people with the eyes of the Spirit. Father, let me see people with the eyes of the Spirit, Father. Just pray that maybe and ask the Lord. Father, give me the eyes of the Spirit for my brothers and sisters in Christ as part of the body. Father, enable me to see every man as a man of God. Enable me to see every woman as a woman of God. Father, I ask you, give me eyes of the Spirit so I see who we are in Christ, first and foremost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in these days. And I thank you you're going to prove that love, work that love in and through us in an even deeper way than you already are. And Father, we thank you as people give their lives to you over these next few weeks, going through Alpha, as we reach out in small groups in different ways. Father, we thank you they're, they're going to come into a body of love that is increasing and increasing and increasing. You know, when we, when we see each other with the eyes of the Spirit, we don't look people up and down. We look beyond the outward. We look beyond behavior. We look beyond stuff. Because there's always a reason why that stuff's going on. And that's what God wants to change and set people free from and all of that. So we don't want to be judgmental in any way. We want to be merciful and gracious. God's been merciful with all of us, you and me. We, we all make mistakes. And, and because none of us are perfect, we, we're going to need the mercy of God today, probably. Who knows? You know, you might, oh, I've just said it again. You know, it's like, Father, I ask you to forgive me. And you might need to say to somebody, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Why? We need God's mercy. After the mercy, he then, we're then graced to live and enabled to, in the right ways. That's how mercy and grace work. Mercy lets us off and enables us to be forgiven and grace empowers us to live in the way, enables us to live in the way that God wants to. So Father, we thank you for your mercy, but we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace that enables us to be who you've called us to be. So Father, I thank you. I praise your name. Now just turn to one other person. Time is up this morning, but just turn to one person, face them, look at them, stand face to face for a couple of moments. As we close this morning, just face to face. Just look them in the eye. Look them in the eye. And now just say to them, I want the best for you. God wants the best for you. And he's going to do more than you could ask or imagine in 2018. Now give them a hug. Tell them you love them.